When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buongiorno, this is Marcy Darling, and you're listening to the Pantheon Podcast Network. History in Five Songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This episode, 154, I'm calling it How Heavy Can It Get? I know we've talked a little bit about this, uh, you know, elliptically along the way throughout uh, many of these other episodes, but we've never addressed this directly. Uh, this was inspired by uh, myself going on uh, Pete Pardo's Sea of Tranquility yesterday, and a little bit of a discussion ensued around uh, my pick for one of the top 10 uh, favorite songs of all time, Um I started off at number 10 with Mouth for War and talked a little bit about the upratcheting of heaviness. And I realized that like this happens all along the way. And essentially the question is, well, the question that we're asking here, how heavy can it get? I think the bottom line is we're always being surprised generation by generation. But I thought it was fate <laughs> that I would uh, that I would do this episode next. Uh, that I thought this was pretty funny because, you know, it's a day later and I went and checked, you know, I, I, periodically I'll go in and check, like, uh, like read some of the comments on, on an episode that's recent. So, you know, this, this episode, uh, 11,000 views in less than 24 hours. But the first comment I read uh, today uh, was from an M. Wheeler 138. He says... Uh, you know, most of these comments are just everybody else's list of the top favorite songs. But he writes, I remember being shocked the first time I heard the Iowa record by Slipknot. I wasn't expecting them to get heavier, more aggressive and darker. I couldn't believe something this nihilistic sounding with blast beats and plenty of noisy parts was that popular. And I thought, wow, you know, this is really screaming out for for me covering this uh, as an episode. So I thought that was pretty funny. So yeah, this is going to be a little bit of a history of uh, in five songs of this idea of how heavy can it get, but I'm not starting particularly early. That's the key this time because so many of these episodes are on the roots of doom or the roots of heavy metal in general. Uh, like I say, uh, there's sort of a long history leading up. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that history, but uh, our songs are actually going to start, you know, fairly, fairly up there in the years. Um, you know, and frankly, this is pretty much what uh, uh, what our whole Metal Evolution series that we did at Banger was all about as well, where we looked at all the different tributaries. There was a grunge episode, a shock rock episode. Uh, there was thrash. There was New Age of British Heavy Metal. There was a partitioning of America versus the UK. And, uh, and each of these episodes kind of worked their way through 
you know, the evolution, but, but you know, uh, an undercurrent of that evolution was an evolution of heaviness and upratcheting of heaviness as we went along. So, and, and, you know, we got into a bit of a discussion on the Facebook as well about this. I know Don had some good uh, comments to make there. Uh, but yeah, so we're not going to start too early. So let's, let's get into it here. Uh, and we shall discuss. This is going to be a catch-all for a little bit of the catch-up of the history. But take a listen. This is Pantera with Strength Beyond Strength. Okay, so I wanted to pick this because I, I was talking about Mouth for War uh, yesterday on Sea of Tranquility. And the idea here is that, um, well, let's go back to the history. So so I'm only going to start this whole history uh, with, uh, with an odd one. I was almost going to pick this for a song, but Bachman Turner Overdrive. Fred Turner, Randy Bachman, something like Welcome Home. So I thought of this because of... Phil Anselmo upratcheting the heaviness of an extreme vocal. You've got, you've got Lemmy, you've got Chronos uh, and Venom, you've got James Hetfield, and now we've got like the Uber James Hetfield. It's the James Hetfield on steroids. It's 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 someone even angrier and shoutier yelling at you. So how heavy can it get? Well, Phil Anselmo is a version of this heaviness of a hauler. Uh, and, and, you know, this is one of the reasons, um, you know, I was literally, like I say, going to pick a, a Bachman Turner Overdrive song because I have a lot of smart heavy metal music Swami friends who think BTO is one of the heaviest things going, right? Or they, they think that they were quite heavy in its day. And when you, when you actually play those BTO albums, you realize that the guitars are not that heavy. They're not that heavy that often. And the production's not that heavy. So what is making these smart Friends of mine think BTO is heavy. And one of the things is that Fred Turner vocal. The vocal is so important in this idea of the upratcheting of heaviness for some of these bands. So I thought that was a good link uh, to this whole thing. And then, of course, the riffs are there. Uh, the production is there. Uh, you know, a funny thing is you've got an extreme drum recording. But is it is it an extreme that's even heavier? Should an extreme drum recording get basier and earthier should a snare be bigger but Vinny takes it in a whole nother place so so the idea of of what makes something heavier can be a little abstract and it can be a little antithetical right a little bit uh contrary uh to to what you would think um you know the other thing that makes Pantera seem heavier than a lot of earlier things is the idea of when Vinny is uh, is is cut back on the bass and you've got that gated thing and a very trebly sound, it really accents the guitars. Now that is something we heard uh, on Metallica when you got to the second and third album. Was this was this pushing forward of those big scraping concrete on concrete rhythm guitars? You didn't particularly get that on the first album, but on the first album you definitely had a different sort of upratcheting of heaviness. Here was the idea that um, when you compared Kill 'Em All in 1983 against all of the stuff that was coming up from the new wave of British heavy metal, it just seemed more relentless, more about the guitar riff with this 
more extreme, ugly vocal, you know, a shouty guy rather than uh, somebody based on a Rob Halford situation. So Metallica are important in this whole thing as well for those two different reasons, the pushing forward of the rhythm guitars and just the uh, the overall relentlessness of Kill 'Em All and the speed. You know, speed is kind of important here as well. So yeah, just to just to backtrack, I made a couple of notes here of, of sort of a, a, a chronological so not going all the way back to the beginning and talking about the whole history of heavy metal. Um, BTO, Welcome Home, you know, early 70s. Uh, you've got a Brian May guitar sound. Um, there's certain things you can do with a guitar to make it more violent and lurchy and heavy and scrapey. And Brian May is kind of uh, instrumental in that. You've got Motorhead in, say, 79 with the two 1979 albums with the relentlessness of the heaviness. Yeah, so so what is another thing that, that upratchets and makes something heavier? How many heavy songs are there on the album and how many ballads are there on the album? Um, you know, I always talk about Rainbow Rising, the Sex Pistols album, ACDC Let There Be Rock, every Motorhead album. Uh, so right there in the 70s, you've got these albums where every single song is heavy. So that's another thing that is an upratchet situation. The new wave of British heavy metal itself with the um, how do you make things heavier? Heavier album covers, uh, heavier, heavier black leather and bullet belts uh, and wristbands. Uh, so look heavier, uh, heavier song titles heavier lyrics because most of what you got in the new wave of British heavy metal was not particularly heavier than earlier things. Uh, it, there was just kind of more of it and a more insistence and, and a more conscious delivery of it. So that's, that's another thing that is how, you know, answers this question, how heavy can it get? All these things get added along the way. Um, you know, Brian Johnson on back in black and extreme vocal on back in black. Uh, also in 1983, along with kill Em all, Quiet Riot is is considered like the first quote unquote heavy metal album to get to number one. So popularity, popularity of something heavy or in this case, something that actually isn't that heavy, but it's actually called heavy metal. Popularity of that getting really big. And that album goes to six times platinum craziness. Right. Um, and even before we get to the next thing, um, th this idea of something about grunge being more dangerous and heavy and chaotic and oh my god the world's coming to an end over the expectedness and gloss and corporate feel of of hair metal especially when hair metal is getting lighter and sweeter and the vocals are getting higher and there's more shredding and all this sort of stuff that that uh, oddly is making it sound less heavy versus something like grunge so there are the the abstract aspects of what makes something heavy and even to get more abstract you know when you get in these discussions with people they start talking about you know goth music or the cure or you know yeah depressive sort of things um you know i've got my long list of really depressing albums john kale music for new society stranglers the raven the search party um you know comus uh there's a lot of depressing depressing albums that have nothing to do with heavy metal but people start, you know, wanting to have that debate and argue with you about, oh no, this is as heavy as it gets because it's so depressing and it makes you want to kill yourself and all this kind of stuff, right? So there are these abstract things as well. Um, but let's stay away from the abstract in this and let's move on to our second track. Take a listen to this. This is Emperor with Thus Spake the Night Spirit.
Wow, so black metal actually made a lot of arguments for uh, how heavy can it get. Well, we can get heavier. And uh, let's go through them, and then let's talk about a, a few ways that it's not it's not heavier uh, in in a certain respect. So, okay, so they look heavier. They're they're they've got the face paint going, so so it's looking even more extreme and creepy and heavy and committed to to something transgressive, I suppose. There are murders, there are church burnings. It's you know, so are they're they're raising the the stakes there. Um, but uh, right in the music and what you hear here as well in this Emperor track. So I I wanted to pick something. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. So this is from July eighth, nineteen ninety seven. This is this is from you know anthems from the from the Welkin. Uh, okay, so well, okay, so hang on. No, Th this is a. Uh, yeah, so this is the the 97 album, but an even more extreme version of this is In the Night Side Eclipse 1994. And this is more or less the uh you know, it's it gets really murky because there's EPs and weirdness and and it gets more indie and indie and indie, but you know, the birth the birth of black metal could go back to the late 80s, but you know, for a full-length album that is pretty popular, in the Nightside Eclipse, nineteen ninety-four, kind of kind of hits me as a as a super exciting early days. But when black metal's starting to come above ground, so what do we get here? We get a couple of things in the vocals. You get the idea that an even heavier vocal is the idea of being even creepier and scarier, and that that doesn't mean in this case getting lower and doomier like a death metal vocal anymore. This means kind of raising the, uh, the uh, well, what is the word for that? Anyways, it's getting higher. <laughs> you get into what they call like a raven's craw or, or, a, or a raven's caw or a crow's caw, that idea of this, this screechy, odd, uh, it just sounds crazier kind of vocal, right? So that's one thing. The other thing that you get is this idea of the blast beat. Now, blast beats have been around since death metal, but black metal takes it to even more of an extreme. And the idea is that what makes something heavier? How heavy can it get? Well, you get faster. You get faster and faster and faster. So this goes back to the, the whole history of Judas Priest and the new wave of British heavy metal, and then that short-lived genre called speed metal, where you've got Anvil and Exciter and Razor and all that stuff, and German thrash, uh, and the idea of thrash itself has a lot of speed in it. Then you get to death metal, and you and you do have this blast beat. But so the idea of the blast beat is one of those things that you've heard me argue before. I've called it the poke polka beat, right? Uh, I've I've uh, I've likened it to taking a pen and tapping it on your desk, right? Um, is this is this even fast anymore? Uh, when you get so fast, when you get so fast, um, is it fast anymore? When it when it flips over into double time. So soon as it's double time and you have no groove and no sense of, of getting faster, faster, the heartbeat getting faster and, and you just double up and it becomes double time, is it even fast anymore? So what you get with death metal sometimes or what you get with black metal sometimes is it just sounds like a wall of sound and you aren't even, you, your brain isn't even registering it as fast anymore. So so that's, a, that's an interesting debate. Is a blast beat truly heavier than something really groovy that sounds like you know you've heard me describe things as uh, as uh, because I used to paint up the you know the little models as a kid you know the the tanks in in uh, in uh, desert camo rolling through the desert dust flying you know in northern Africa or whatever that whole idea of 
of heaviness being um, being heavy, being heavy like a tank, being heavy like the two members of uh, Bachman uh, Turner Overdrive who could who could lose some weight. You know, the heaviness of the of the of the big beards on uh, on ZZ Top and Bachman Turner Overdrive, the heaviness of the belt buckles <laughs> on Bachman Turner Overdrive, right? The heaviness of the big cowboy hats, you know. So the the idea is that is that is a blast beat truly heavier than a really groovy beat that really makes you like bang your head sort of thing. That that's kind of what's going on there. Um, and you know the other thing that I wanted to play for you a little bit here is the idea of uh, you know black metal can introduce keyboards again. So so at one point keyboards weren't supposed to be a heavy thing but uh they're sort of arguing that well if it's done in a completely creepy way it is absolutely heavy metal um so yeah all those things uh involved here you know ishan with his vocals and you know these black metal guys usually kind of got moved on and got tired of this and did other things and usually got more progressive so so and and i don't think any of them would argue that when they went progressive they were making something that was even heavier i.e how heavy does it get i think the black metal guys would admit that no we're, we're not we're not heavier when we when we do this new thing um so it's almost like they're realizing that there is a threshold to heaviness at least for them in their world or or in their creativity and they move on to something else uh, all right, uh, this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's betterhelp.com slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's listen to our third track and we shall discuss. This is Slipknot with the Heretic Anthem. Okay, so the idea here uh, goes back to that comment uh, that we had in the comments in YouTube there with our uh, uh, SOT uh, episode. Um, this is a, this is an interesting one. Slipknot is a package of heaviness that includes extreme vocals that sound uh, like like mental health issues uh, that sound like uh, violence, hatred, uh, hardcore punk. Um, you know, there's another level of heaviness when hardcore punk said punk is getting too fancy with the with the post punk and the new wave. Let's go back to heaviness. They sped everything up. They started hollering more. It was all about guitars through a distortion pedal, right? 
Slipknot has a hardcore uh, influence there. They also have a proggy, you know, fussy complicatedness. So they're raising the intensity level of craft as well. Um, the productions are pretty unfeeling and harsh, um, cold. Um, but there's also bassiness, uh, you know, with this idea of new metal and spooky core, the I, well, spooky itself is, is, is that, is that heaviness, um, the look of the band, um, the, the scariness of the image, uh, but no, to, to, to notch back to new metal, the idea of, uh, what would make heaviness heavier? Well, add more strings on the bass guitar, have seven string and eight string bass guitars, um, Downtuning uh, is an important thing as well, um, but the whole new metal thing is kind of interesting too because uh, here you you've got um, you know what in in what ways was new metal heavier? Well, when you add the uh, the heaviness and the anger of of rap to it, um, and also the the um, you know the extra strings on the bass, the downtuning, the rhythm. Uh, so they were arguing that uh, you know it. Again, often a whole nother world from a blast beat. They're arguing that heavy, heavy urban rhythms um, and a lot of emphasis on drums and and bass uh, and open architectures where there's a lot of bass uh, versus melody, for example, uh, you know, with rappiness, uh, even just the extraction of melody, the reduction of melody is is considered a way that things get heavier, right? Um, so all of that's in there. And and even Korn, remember when Korn came out first, uh, there was something about them that was super special. And again, it was the heaviness of that sort of... Uh, uh, volcanic feel of uh, what Jonathan Davis was doing with his vocal, like starting quiet and then and then rising to a roar, and the breathiness. You heard his breathing in there, um, and that again is something that people will argue in an abstract arty way creates heaviness. Is the idea of you need you need uh, light and shade, you need soft and loud to to make heaviness you need contrast and new metal did a lot of that so slip slipknot has a lot of things and we haven't even gotten to you know another thing here a little bit related to quiet riot and pan uh and pantera for that for that matter i i think i forgot to mention pantera that was from far beyond driven um and the idea there was that that was a number one album so so that was i remember we all used to discuss how Far Beyond Driven, it's a very, very heavy album. And for that to be that popular and big, that's also kind of in a weird way raising the stakes on heaviness. It was that, again, just like that Slipknot comment was that was the idea that I can't believe something this heavy could be that popular to go to number one on Billboard. And that's before, um, you know, the, the new fakey and shaky version of going number one on Billboard when there's actually no sales anymore. It's all streaming. Let's not get into that. Uh, but Slipknot, yes, this was a Billboard number three album, their second album, Iowa. The self-titled went double platinum. Iowa went platinum. Volume three, the subliminal verses went platinum. All hope is gone. Platinum. The gray chapter, gold. And they have a gold live album as well. They're a huge band. Um, and the last thing I wanted to mention about Slipknot, which goes hand in hand with Marilyn Manson, is is how heavy and how scary can you make a heavy metal look? Um, how creepy and serial killer and and just absolutely horrific uh, can you make a look? Well, Slipknot and Marilyn Manson took Arthur Brown and Alice Cooper and Kiss and Motley Crue and Wasp to the next extremes uh, and, and past black metal, one could argue. Um, 
and created the heaviest looking band out there. And they were crazy on stage, you know, the masks, the, you know, the clown hitting the drums, you know, that's a heaviness thing, just the onslaught of what they looked like live. Um, so again, how heavy can it get? Well, you know, Slipknot looked a lot different from Tigers of Pantang or Angel Witch or Foghat on stage. Um, so there's there's uh, there's something right there. But I, but again, the whole idea uh, is there's a there's a complete package of uh, you know death metal and hardcore and image and fame and the lyrics, the really hateful spewing venom lyrics and the vocals, all the different vocal guises. Uh, you know, you almost felt a split personality thing going on there with the vocalist. And is that a heavy thing? You know, it's psychologically heavy, right? So that happens as well. All right, let's move on. Track number four, take a listen to this. This is Ahab with The Giant. Okay, so the idea here is that Doom, when it gets doomier and doomier and slower and more down-tuned, is uh, how heavy can heavy get? Well, you know, the more it feels like there's concrete in your veins and you're slowing down and you're dying, um, you know, is that a version of heaviness? Uh, These Doom bands, you know, moving into drone Doom or noise Doom or funeral Doom are arguing that, um, you know, cathedral and witchfinder general and black sabbath are just too darn happy right uh you know that's not heavy enough for us so the idea so this was from 2013's the giant i mean i could have picked anything right there are tons and tons and tons of these slow doom bands out there i mean i suppose it starts with the likes of earth and sun O. cathedral actually and my dying bride started delivering this slow thing as well it's like how how much boredom can you hack kind of thing, right? Um, so Ahab, German, funeral doom band, founded in 2004 uh, by Minnat Saul guitarist Chris, uh, Christian Hector and Daniel Droste. Um, well, we don't have to go into the Moby Dick stuff, but uh, yeah, Call of the Wretched Sea, the uh, the Divinity of Oceans, the Giant, the Boats of the Glen Carrig, you know. So here they are, um, you know, I, and I also looked up like, uh, you know, uh, Ask the question: how, how you know what are the slowest doom bands out there? And you know, I'm I'm looking at um, a, a lot of things you can mention here. Conan, Yob, Sleep is important early on with Dope Smoker, right? Honorable mentions we've got here. Uh, this is one post I think this is from a Reddit post, but Bong, Moss, Bong Gripper, uh, Saturnalia Temple, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Canate. For sure, uh, kind of a famous one. Theragathon gets mentioned a lot. Udom, uh, the Ethereal, BBV, you know, yeah, yeah. Torture Wheel, Tyranny. Um, so there's lots and lots of it out there. Um, you know, it, it partially comes from goth and all this as well. But I mean, you just you just listen to this, and uh, there's a level. I mean, I mean, I'm just not a big fan of this because uh, the whole idea is is inactivity and just that. Sh- you know the the ringing ride symbol before you get the next snare eventually 30 seconds later and just big huge chords uh but again a, a lot of this music is moving away from and well okay so 
to start with, um, you know, you had to have a doom vocal, right? So, so a doom vocal uh, was often low and deathy. Uh, again, how heavy can a vocal get? Is it low? Is it deathy? Uh, but as time goes on, sometimes there's more anguished gothic cries uh, in these doom vocals, right? As as you move on. But yeah, this brings up something else I wanted to bring up a little bit about uh, death. Well, let's save that for our last track, actually, and, and we'll have a little bit of the death sermon uh, in here as well. But uh, but yeah, this whole idea, and, and I saw a pretty, pretty funny comment. Uh, it was like those doom metal rules. If it's above 50 BPM or whatever it was, it's not funeral doom anymore. So, so it, this can be a very snobby sort of field. Uh, it's and you know, beautiful artwork and lyrics and all that, but but the singing slow, everything's slow, slow, slow. And again, the idea is, you know, you, you think of you think of actual heaviness as a trudge through mud or 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 swamps. It's not it's not running fast, right? It's not jogging, right? <laughs> so so um, you know. Uh, we've got these guys arguing uh, heaviness is the extreme of being slow and you've got the speed metal guys and the black metal guys saying no heaviness is as fast as you can get so kind of interesting okay let's listen to our last track here this is uh, Gojira with Another World All right, so this is from Fortitude, April 30th, 2021. I wanted to pick something really new because I want to just talk about the shiny newness world of of how heavy can it get. And it's kind of interesting. I almost played I almost played something from uh Sacrament Lamb of God because Lamb of God's kind of an, kind of an interesting one here. You know, at Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles, we interviewed Lamb of God all the time. It was usually Chris Adler funny enough, the drummer who is now no longer in the band. That's kind of like a big scandal going on in Lamb of God, but uh the interesting thing here, a little bit mixed with the fame thing, uh, Ashes from the Wake went gold. Uh, and Sacrament went gold. So we've got a 2006, I believe, and a 2004 album here. And Lamb of God was a really heavy band. They were they were like taking thrash and death to kind of a new extreme mixed in with the progginess. So you've got the heaviness of complication. You've got the heaviness of death. You've got an, a, a totally extreme thrash vocal that goes beyond, you know, the through line from James through Phil Anselmo. Uh, so you've got, you've got that going on. You've got um, speed. Um, you've got hardcore. You've got a, a distinct lack of melody. Uh, but it's funny, I was going through these and going through Gojira and realizing that um, there's not anything particularly way heavier about this music than 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 the earlier stuff as we go chronological here. But having said that, um, you know, I wanted to mention things like Mastodon, for example, who started quite a bit heavier, but now, um, you know, there's a heaviness there, but it's almost like an inundation of information is their version of heaviness. So they're, they're almost like telling us that um, challenging you to see how much progressiveness you can handle uh, along with your heaviness. And I've often thought that there's something to be said for the idea of generations as they get younger and younger and more computer savvy and more 
video game savvy and and the music gets more fragmented and their playlists are more about bouncing from one song by one band to another band to another band and it's just fast food fast food all the time getting exactly what you want on youtube um so all these things that's that's hardwiring the circuits of of younger generations of heavy metal fans to be able to process more information. Um, and that's why something like a Gojira or a Lamb of God or a Sciapus or, you know, to go to go extreme, all, all of that math core and relapse core that Dillinger's escape plan started way back when uh, that got just more crazier and crazier. So I guess what I'm saying is kids are able to... Uh, to process more um, and this all goes in with the whole idea of uh, of records being broken like heavy heaviness being like sports records running faster jumping higher it happens every single year um, and that's basically it so as we as we end up at this place um, how do we answer answer that question how heavy can it get I think the open mind uh, has to basically say um, we don't know because we've constantly been surprised throughout history uh, on this question. We thought it was as heavy as it could get when when we got Elvis Presley. Uh, we thought it was heavy as it can get when the Beatles started screaming on Twist and Shout. Uh, Cream, Jimi Hendrix. We thought Jimi Hendrix was as heavy as it could get. It can't get any crazier than that, right? Black Sabbath. Uh, so, so um, yeah, the, the answer really is uh, they're going to figure out, uh, you know, creativity and kids and, and crazy young men mostly uh, are going to um, are are going to find new ways. Uh, maybe they're small. Maybe they're compartmentalized. Maybe it's just in the vocal department. Maybe it's in the guitars. Maybe it's something to do with technology. Um, maybe it is lyrics. Who knows? But all along the way, we've had up ratcheting in all those different departments, uh, and we don't know uh, what the next level of uh, of heaviness is going to be. But uh, as we've as we've discovered, there have been many many different ways to get there, and uh, many of them are completely debatable and fit along this theme of when you go over the top of that particular characteristic, are you on your are are you now on the downward slide? And you're not realizing it because you're so focused and in the bubble. Are you not realizing that it's actually getting less heavy? So there you go. Um, if you like this uh, show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi, uh, rhymes with no fee.com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. On that front this week, I would like to thank Bruce Campbell, David Fisher, Jonathan Jordan, Darren Kasaboski, Matt Marino, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, David Ria and Brian Sager. As I've been mentioning, I've been doing a lot of these these drawings, and it's kind of taken over my book thing um, because I'm getting a lot of, you know, kind of orders coming in where people are saying, "Draw this guy, draw this guy," and I'll probably get it, and that kind of works too. So, um, and I've done the cards lately, so you can see all my illustration work at martinpopoff.ca, or you can go to artpal.com where uh, you can see things framed and put on canvas and get it at different sizes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm still still obviously writing the books and I've got a bunch that I can't really say that I'm, I'm into, but I'm doing multiple things at once. And of course, any of the books that are all still in print, you can get at martinpopoff.com. So um, yeah, take a listen um, to some of these things. Uh, show up at the Facebook page. Uh, see if you can answer that question, how heavy can it get? 
Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.